0: Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for listening to the best Houston Sports podcast. Well, since it's the holiday season, we're going to give you some hope. Yeah, another last minute awful loss for the Texans, right? And there was a COVID and overtime loss for the Rockets this week, but I promise, I promise we can do this. Joining me as my co host and regular sidekick, a fellow H Town sports junkie and a longtime journalist, Stephen Curran. Stephen. I got to say, I was bored early in the Texans game, but then David Johnson, Farrell Brown, and Darren Fells started dragging guys up and down the field. I mean, that was fun. And then Deshaun was doing Deshaun thing, So, you know, it got interesting.
1: It did get interesting. It started out the way the Texans games usually start out, Robert. They fail to score on their opening drive. Gosh, how many times has that happened? The other team comes down the field, score on their opening drive, and it looks like the Texans, you know, are just going to lose interest early in the game, kind of like we do. But they, they just, they tend to settle down as the game goes on, and they actually start making a game of it. And that's what they did today. What, what I think was most impressive, Robert, aside from the fact that Deshaun was once again Deshaun doing his magic, but the fact that the offensive line, it, as as a teacher of mine in high school used to say, was put together with bailing wire and bubble gum, basically a patchwork line. And the running game really came to life despite all that, with David Johnson making moves that we've been waiting for him all season for him to make. And and as far as I know, Deshaun didn't get sacked. He came close a few times, but got out of it. But yeah, there is some hope, Robert. I mean, I'll tell you, the other hope is there's only one
0: game left of the Texans' season, And then it's mercifully over. Yeah, number four is on the field. So that's definitely part of the hope. And I I said I would give people some hope, uh, maybe beyond Deshaun Watson. Let's go with something that's beyond Deshaun Watson, because everybody knows about that. Um, Steven, is it fair to say the Texans might have found a young cornerback on Sunday afternoon? Well, it, it certainly is possible.
1: And you just keep hoping with all the replacements they've had, you know, that... Somebody's got to step up and make some plays. I mean, there were a lot of missed tackles, a lot of uh, you know, uh, there were more blown coverages. I mean, they couldn't stop the Bengals, but there there were some bright spots in that
0: secondary, as you talked about. Well, there was one. There was one, and there there was. Are you talking about crossing? <laughs> yeah, Keon Crosson, four passes defensed for him. Hargraves has six for the entire season. Crossen had four in one game. Roby. In his 10 games, only had seven passes defensed. And, you know, Crossan is signed through next season. He's really cheap, 920000 for next year. Young, good, and cheap. It's not something you could say with the Texans too often. <laughs> no, you sure can't.
1: And, you know, he's only been playing on a regular basis the last several weeks, just, you know, having to be put in there for injury purposes. And, you know, the Texans were without uh, safety. Eric Murray was put on the reserve COVID-19 list. So, you know, yet another blow to the secondary. But Keon Crossan, yeah, he definitely stepped up, made some plays. And, you know, the guy that is earning his contract money that was doing double digits again in tackles, and, of course, I'm talking about Zach Cunningham, Terrell Adams played well. You know, those two, I believe, lead the league in... Players on the two players on the same team with the most tackles in the NFL, which is an interesting stat. So yeah, there is hope, even in the Texans defense, Robert, believe it or not.
0: Right. And let me just point out, you can go, well, well then how did Brandon Allen get 371 yards passing and two touchdowns and 126 quarterback rating? Well, number one, the other guys didn't help you much, but right. Brandon Allen made some nice throws in this game. Uh, T. Higgins looks really good. Uh, They've also got, you know, A.J. Green on that team. So you've got some guys that are tough to defend. But I just was really impressed that he actually was glued to the receivers a lot of times. He was knocking the ball down. He was in a good position. Uh, He's smaller than T. Higgins and A.J. Green for sure. But he was making them compete for catches. And it was just exciting to see somebody that wasn't in their thirties doing something good on defense for the Texans. And I guess I'm, I, I'm talking about JJ. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, Zach Cunningham, he's a guy, he's a second round pick. You just spent a lot of money on him. So uh, that's somebody I expect stuff from, but it, it was nice to see Steven. Let's just, let's point that out. I mean, there's, there's not much to hope for beyond Deshaun as far as good young players, but, you know, you're just looking for anything, and maybe he's anything. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I, I think at this point, Robert, you just you, you're you're looking for whatever you can get. And look, Keon Crossen hustled. I mean, that that was the big thing. He was hustling out there. He was trying. He made you know got beat on a couple plays, but as we said, he made some nice plays. And and listen, you know, we talk a lot about AJ Green. His reputation is is pretty solid. Now, he's going to be a free agent. This T Higgins guy has really stepped up all year for the Bengals. And you could see why. I mean, he's got the hands, he's got the moves. He he's a good receiver. He he's definitely going to be a great receiver if he stays healthy
0: uh, for the Bengals for some years to come. And might as well give some props to the guys that you mentioned uh, earlier. Well, specifically, you met you mentioned David Johnson, and so did I. I mean, he he was breaking tackles. Uh, he was getting some big gains. I don't know the holes were seemed a little bit bigger with the Bengals defense, but. Yeah. Uh that was definitely a plus. And then that Farrell Brown run after catch and the Darren Felt those guys, you know, they acted like they were playing for something, and, and maybe they are. They're they're playing to play next year, is what they're playing for.
1: Well, and listen, you know, these players, they're playing for their jobs, Robert. I mean, it's easy for us fans to sit here and and media members and say, well, the season's over, there's nothing to play for. I mean, these guys are still, you know, many of them are going to be playing beyond this season. They're they're playing for their jobs, whether it's with the Texans or with somebody else, they have got to go out there and and make an effort. And and you know, say what you will, uh, the Texans are four and eleven, but you know, and yeah, they fell short again. But they are at least out there. They they haven't cashed in the season yet. They're gonna, they're playing their hearts out, doing the best they can. But again, you know, you're four and eleven for a reason. The kind of mistakes they make and just not being able to score early and hold the other team off early. And the, the lack of turnovers, Robert, I uh, from the defensive side, only having eight turnovers, eight takeaways basically all year long in 15 games, I mean, that that definitely has to change moving forward if the Texans
0: are going to win more games. Well, to get turnovers, you need two things. You need a pass rush, and you need a secondary that can cover some people that can be in a position to get turnovers. We saw, was it A.J. Moore Eric Murray? He dropped an interception in this game. Um, that's happened a couple of times, but you need to be in more positions to drop interceptions to actually catch interceptions. If you know what I yeah, mean. Yeah, it was
1: AJ Moore because Eric Murray wasn't playing. But yeah, it was Moore, and and there was definitely no pass rush. I I sure couldn't tell that <laughs> Allen was being harassed very much throughout most of the game. So you're
0: right. Yeah, you're you're right to assume it was AJ Moore and, and that Eric Murray wasn't on the field because if Eric Murray was on the field, I would have noticed uh, some just terrible coverage as usual. <laughs> yeah, that's true. He's not definitely earning his pay. Let me get to one thing that, forget the game for a second, Uh, let me go to the television broadcast because the guys were talking about this and I I felt like this was kind of news. They they said at the end of the broadcast that according to, I believe it was Cal McNair, that J.J. Watt would be in on the coaching decision, which is extremely interesting, Stephen, because that means he's going to be back next year, I assume. Well, yeah, I guess you would have to. I mean, why why would you have a guy decide your head coach and then
1: trade him? Um, that, that doesn't that doesn't make a lot of sense. Although, you know, I mean, I, I guess I guess James Harden kind of had a say on who the new coach was, and then he demanded to be traded. So, yeah, I don't know how that scenario is playing out. But yeah, that's that's an interesting point. That JJ Watt, if he's going to have input, I mean, he is one of your superstar players. And let's be honest, players do have at least some opinion on most teams. Of Who's going to be the coach, especially if they know who the candidates are. I, I still think it's a bit early in the Texans search. But if JJ's going to be included, maybe for Texans fans, that means he's going to come back next year.
0: And it's weird because Harden, you know, he's somebody that's your he's your best player right now. JJ Watt, not your best player anymore. Sorry, JJ. We know it's Deshaun. Right? Uh, and JJ also uh, has one year left on his contract. That's it. You know, he's more more closing in on the end uh than he is in his prime, especially when you, you know, see that he he really wasn't much a part of this game. You know, in a game that you've got a guy like Brandon Allen at quarterback and you got a team that's not necessarily all that good. JJ Watt was invisible most of this game. Um boy, the Texans do some weird things. Let me let me give you another weird thing that the Texans did, Steven, because uh this was uh something that I I noticed this week. That Cal McNair, you know, a few weeks ago, you might remember, he made a statement that the Texans new GM would hire their head coach. You
1: That's know, That's correct.
0: Like a normal team should, right? Yeah, like they should. Exactly. <laughs> Meanwhile, the Texans interviewed coaching candidate Jim Caldwell, which begs the question, why? Why interview coaching candidates if the GM is hiring the coach and you don't have a GM yet?
1: Yeah, I, I'm still trying to figure that one out. I don't know if they're just trying to feel out the interview process. I mean, you know, Jim Caldwell, he's what is he, 66 years old? He he's been good with quarterbacks. That I mean, that's a plus in his favor. But I just can't see where the Texans are gonna have him as their first choice, you know, to be the head coach. So yeah, it is a bit of a head scratcher that they're already interviewing because let's face it, a, a lot of the main candidates like the Eric enemies and Guys like that, their season's not over yet, so you can't touch them. I mean, it it, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But, yeah, it's almost like Cal McNair kind of,
0: uh, you know, said two different things. Talking out of both sides of his mouth, I guess is what I was trying to say. Yeah, this is just typical Texans. Like, they have no idea what they're doing. It's like a mouse going through a maze and they, they don't know which way to go and they don't know what to do. And they're all confused and they're like, Where, where's the, I can't find the cheese. And what's, you know, that's, what's like when I watch the Texans try to figure anything yeah, out. The
1: Texans would not do well in the, who moved my cheese thing that uh, was, was
0: hot a few years ago. Last a uh, couple of things, I guess just, I mean, I don't know what else to say with, with Cal McNair and, and the, this weird organization, but um, I, I was wondering like, well, what, what is it going to take? How many tackles is it going to take to get hurt before Charlie heck gets a chance to play in this game? And you mentioned this makeshift offensive line. Well, Charlie heck finally got in there because Tunsil's out Titus Howard's out. I mean, all these guys are out while he went down today and that's why you had to have more shifting. Yeah. You finally got a chance to, you know, put Charlie heck in and, what happens? Uh, biggest play of the game <laughs> to Sean Watson, uh, sack fumble, and it's Charlie Heck that was just, you know, playing whiff on the on the right side. But, you know, and Isaiah Coulter, I mean, with all the stuff that's happened to the wide receivers, he was your fifth-round pick. He still wasn't even active today, Stephen. Not even active. Yeah, I was a bit puzzled. Well, he, has, he wasn't active. I, I
1: don't think he was active last week or the week before. I think he was active one game. What was it? Three weeks ago, maybe it was before Chad Hansen came along and and you know made his big plays. But yeah, I I really thought we'd see more of Isaiah Coulter than we did, but
0: he hasn't been active in the last several weeks. Right, and it's just like th- this is um, the sad part is that not only did Bill O'Brien leave you with all these crappy contracts, but that one draft that he was totally and completely responsible for um, that last draft. I mean, who 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 are we supposed to be excited about? Most of them can't even get in the football game on a regular basis with all the injuries and COVID and everything going on, whether it's, uh, you know, read the cornerback or heck the tackle. I mean, these are positions the Texans have desperately needed people and defensively. I mean, those guys are a couple of guys are playing like Grenard a little bit, but I mean, most of them. They're they're literally having no impact on a football game.
1: Well, yeah, and Russ Blacklock, another you know, just by him. I mean, he was your highest draft pick, and you know, he's played, but he certainly hasn't made any splashes Splashes where
0: you're going. Oh, let's keep an eye on this guy. So even he's been a bit of a disappointment this year. All right, let's let's get to a, a, another positive because the Texans. You know, we we got crossing, we got Deshaun Watson, but boy, how about this for a positive? Uh, well, let's go to the Rockets because Christian Wood, in his Rockets debut, are you ready for this, Stephen? 31 points and 13 rebounds.
1: I know. What an awesome. I, I mean, we've been talking about him for quite a while, Robert, and, and we've been waiting for him and James Harden to play together. They did it one game in the preseason and looked good then, and they looked good on the Portland game, the the quote-unquote opening game of the season. It really wasn't, but it was. I just, I, I can't tell you enough, Robert, how excited I am that Christian Wood is going to give the Rockets something I've been begging for, begging for, and you know it, I've said it, I don't know how many times on this podcast, drive to the hoop, take the ball to the hoop when you can. And Christian Wood was doing that. There was one play, he went coast to coast and just, I, I mean, I know it's only one game and we, we need to kind of be careful and temper our excitement, but this is, you know, he looked good in the preseason and and made some of those moves. This is why the Rockets wanted to get him earlier than they did, and so you combine Christian Wood with the fact that, yes, you know, like it or not, James Harden is still on this team, and he did contribute. He had forty-four points, but man, I just can't wait. Yeah, I, I just hope that Christian can stay healthy, be consistent,
0: because I want to see more of those types of plays and moves that he made on uh, Saturday night. The other thing about Christian Wood is. He's not good defensively. That's the one negative with him. Right. So you know he he gets pushed around in the paint. They didn't have Boogie that first game. They missed Boogie because you know you have one of the teams with a that one of the rare teams with a big guy that can push people around uh, inside in Nurkic. And so uh, you know that's the one thing about and he's you know he's long and athletic he, i don't know Steve. i haven't i haven't seen a whole lot of shot blocking from him to this point though
1: no not the shot blocking like the clint capella shot blocking that you used to see but the the rebounds and and just the moves that he's making to the basket and and of course the shooting the the points so you know there are still some things to his game that he needs to work on and, and he may never develop but man he's just an exciting player to watch i he,
0: he's fast becoming one of my favorite players on this Rockets team. Oh, and he's catching the ball in traffic, uh, which is really difficult. And that was something it took uh, Capella a little bit longer to figure out with James Harden because James isn't afraid to throw it up there when there's two or three guys around you. You be, you better be ready for it in traffic. And and, and Christian Wood was able to handle it. I, you mentioned James Harden. You know, 44.17 assists. All is right in the Harden-Rockets marriage for... At least one night, nothing to see here. They're kissing and making up right now. And it's all, you know, (laughs) the sweet nothings right now, Stephen. Well, here's the thing, Robert. And and I've said this before too. The Rockets have all the leverage.
1: And as long as James Harden is not causing problems, I mean, he did, you know, he he violated the protocol, which which put the Rockets in a very bad spot, ultimately costing them their first game with Oklahoma City, at least contributed to that. But as long as he's not, being a cancer in the locker room, you know, trying to, you know, say things through the media. I mean, if anything else, he, he's not saying anything about being traded. He's, he's not like some players where they'll just come out, blast the team in the media. James isn't doing that. He's at least, now, now that he is here, he is focusing on playing. And if he can just be consistent and help the Rockets out, then the Rockets really don't need to be in a hurry to trade him. He's still got one more year left on his contract after this. They, they have got all the time in the world to make the kind of deal that will benefit them and not to quote Romeo Cornell here, but to, not to take peanuts for him just because a deal may be
0: imminent. Was there anything that you thought was interesting from the podcast that we did a few days ago? Uh, I, t- I was talking to the Bajani brothers and, you know, we were going over the trade packages and other stuff about the hardened situation. Was there anything that caught you about that? Any, any, let me ask you, because I haven't even discussed this with you. I, I think like is, is there a trade package when you look at the potential trade packages out there uh, that you're particularly excited about? I think me and you were going between the Simmons and Tyler Hero, maybe Duck and Robinson with the Miami Heat. We talked about Jalen Brown also, and it seemed like they were
1: high on. Uh, they they seemed to be high on Jalen Brown, and it seemed like there was one other Ben Simmons. You Ben Simmons, they they seem to be higher on Ben Simmons, I think, than you and I are, Robert. That that was one of the impressions I got is they they seem to think that. Ben Simmons, you know, could have the potential to develop to be a better shooter. And I guess that's possible, but I, I still, you know, we ranked I think the four players that we talked about and and Simmons was was third on my list uh out of the four, but they they seemed to you know, they they it didn't sound to me like they would be too upset with a trade that involved Ben Simmons. Yeah,
0: I couldn't remember if we had gone th- we we'd put all of the if we had put all the players out there and just picked from them. Uh, Last time you and I talked, I don't know if you were doing this, but I was uh, the first couple of few games of the season. First couple of games, there hasn't been much played, um, you know, since uh, you and I last talked, but at least the first couple of games, especially on Christmas and, you know, definitely even with free league pass going on right now, I've been trying to, you know, okay, let me get a look. Let me see some more of Simmons. Let me see, you know, I want to just look at these guys in a regular old regular season game And see how they look, and you know the the one thing that was frustrating was like Christmas Day, there was all these blowouts, so you didn't really get a good chance to to get a real perspective on some of these guys. It was kind of like you know on Christmas Day, I was so excited to watch NBA, and it was like opening up your presents, like oh, not
1: underwear Uh, again. Yeah, you you were expecting a bike, and you get underwear. That that's kind of how. I mean, I I didn't get to watch much of the Christmas Day stuff. I, I think the biggest thing that surprised me is just how how poorly the Warriors played in their first two games. I mean, they weren't even close. I know they've got, you know, some young guys they're trying to develop, but you would think they would have been at least one of those two games. And it's a long season, you know, even though it's a re- sort of a reduced
0: season. But, man, the Warriors, they they just they weren't even in it the first two games. And I think that's the difference between James Harden and Steph Curry. And I know people don't want to make a note of this nationally, but let's be honest here. Steph Curry, if you want to win a championship and he's your best player, you got a chance to win a championship with Steph Curry. But let's get it straight here. If if you need somebody to carry your team to 50 wins when you don't have a roster around them, Steph Curry can't do what James Harden can.
1: No, that's very true. I know it's hard for us to say that, especially since I think you and I both want him out of town as soon as they can. But it is true. I mean, James definitely carries the team through the race. He will get you. He will put you in a position... To to be in a good spot in the playoffs. It it's what happens after that, you know, th- that of course, justly so, he gets criticized for. I mean, Steph has had injuries off and on over the last few years, too. So he hasn't always been healthy enough, you know, and and trying to come back from all that. But it it's just gonna be interesting to see what happens with the Warriors and the Spurs, with the, the kind of the young team that they're developing. You know, the Western Conference, it it's always an interesting thing with them. And with the Rockets, you know. It was a tough loss. And then, of course, the game against Oklahoma City, they didn't even get to play. But you can't get behind too behind too early in this Western Conference or you're going to be looking up and uh, being down near the bottom if you're not
0: careful. Yeah, the Warriors, they got all sorts of problems because they, they don't have Dream on Green right now. And Maybe when he gets back, he can settle down the, the defense a little bit. But I, I just don't think they've got any sort of depth. I, I don't particularly like the role players. They don't have shooting at all, which is a big problem in today's NBA. And Steven, it just cracked me up when I saw all of the Rockets Twitter getting on there after the game against Portland and saying, look, see, that's why you want James Harden, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, James Harden lighting up a Portland team that is terrible on defense, has never played him well, is not really a story. We know that's what he can do. The reason why there are people that are just kind of tired of James Harden's act is that he can get you to the playoffs, but do you want to win a championship? He's not going to do that. And that's the bottom line is we didn't decide that uh, James was ready to leave town. It wasn't like Rockets fans. It wasn't the Rockets management. The guy that said he needs to get out of town is James Harden. Until that ends, you know, nothing's going to change. And he, he's he been adding teams this week that he wants to go to.
1: Yeah, that is exactly right, Robert. I think people forget that the blame game here is, has to be put on James Harden. The Rockets certainly weren't. I mean, you and I talked on the podcast. I think when the Rockets lost to the Lakers in the postseason, we started talking about the possible James Harden trade scenarios and is it time to trade James Harden? But ultimately, it wasn't the Rockets who were trying to de- deciding that maybe it was time to move on. It was James Harden. So let's not forget that. And and as we said, as as long as James is playing the way he is, the Rockets don't need to be in any hurry. Now I think you said this on our last podcast, Robert, that you and I did, that if you are going to trade him, you do need to do it by the deadline. Otherwise, the Rockets are definitely not going to be in a better position. If it's going to get done, it needs to be done by the trade deadline. Well, you know, the season being what it is, I'm not even sure when the trade deadline is. It's normally in February, but it's still a little ways off. Let's put it that way. So they still have time to do a deal. And in the meantime, Harden can still help the Rockets get where they need to be and then depending on what you get, you know, these players are still going to take a little time to fit in, but it can still benefit the Rockets either
0: way. The other thing that uh, I-, I wanted to make note of from that Portland game, because I-, I-, I didn't mention everything that I thought was important from the first game that the Rockets played was even with all the guys out with COVID, it- it's worth noting that rookie Jay Tate played 37 minutes, 37 minutes. Not only did he score 13 points on five of nine shooting, which is, is fine. He might not be able to keep that up, but he was in the lineup in overtime. He was on the court in the final seconds of overtime. The Rockets were plus 14 with Jay Sean Tate on the floor, better than any Rocket player against the Trailblazers. And here's the key, Stephen. And I think this is going to be something worth watching. Now, PJ Tucker might end up being dealt. He doesn't like what's going on right now. He wanted an extension. He's not happy, but frankly, you know, PJ Tucker, the smart thing might be to leave Jayshon Tate in the starting lineup because he's given you a lot. He's young. He's full of energy. Uh, PJ Tucker playing less would help the Rockets quite a bit because of his age. I mean, he can't keep up the pace that he's been doing over these last few years, doing 35, 40 minutes a game. I mean, he's now into his late 30s. So, you know, just something to make note of because Tate looks – like, he's the real deal. Even if he doesn't start, though, you love him coming off the bench because, man, he brings some energy.
1: Yeah, he brings some energy. Sterling Brown was in there quite a bit. You know, he brought some energy. And, hey, listen, you know, Harden and uh, PJ were playing over 40 minutes. I mean, they they definitely both got their minutes. It was out of necessity. I mean, the Rockets only had nine players, and uh, Coach Steven Silas only played seven of those nine. So it was a good chance for some of these guys, to, young guys to get in there and it it was just, I was glad to see that they took advantage of that situation. I mean, the Rockets could have been blown out in this game, Robert, if you think about it, with the players that they had available. You know, you were without John Wall. You were without DeMarcus Cousins. You know, so a lot of the main guys weren't in there. So it, it gave them that opportunity, and they took advantage of it. And it was just, by misfortune, you know, the, the turnover at the end of the game that the Rockets lost in overtime. But they put up a good fight, and as you said, they had some energy and so that's something that's going to help those guys down the
0: road. Yeah, unfortunately I'm I'm so anxious to see the Rockets play all together but they got another COVID game coming up. It's going to be a another short deal. I mean, the last thing they needed was to lose in overtime when you're only playing nine guys and and you know, run out all, all these guys all these minutes because they get a day off like we said pretty much all season. It's you know, you play one day, you're off the next day, you play the day yep. after that. So, you know, that's going to be an issue. I, I did want to make just a couple more notes, Stephen, on some of the stuff that I've seen around the league that I found kind of interesting. Number one, you mentioned how bad the Timberwolves, I mean, how bad the uh, Warriors were. and I, right. I was thinking of the Timberwolves because you know, I watched the Timberwolves and, and they look like they're really good. Uh, they're better than they have been. Anthony Edwards was the right guy from what I've seen uh, to pick because LaMelo Ball to me, I, I'm not so impressed with LaMelo Ball at this point. Um, I think Anthony Edwards uh, already looks like he is a veteran out there. He's got a great body. I mean, I saw that guy in person in Houston uh, last year or the year before that, I believe, and got a chance to interview him, see him up close. Uh, he's definitely He definitely has this incredible NBA body. And then you've got D'Angelo Russell and you know you got Kat. So you, you've got some really pieces there to work with and then they they've got some energy guys on the rest of their rosters and rest of their roster and guys that can do some things so you know just a a, a quick note with that and you know I just feel like um it's going to be very interesting this whole season because of the compression because of the uh idea that you know you could have covid so w- you could have all sorts of weird things happen that stuff that you're not expecting to happen because especially in the West, it's so bunched up, Stephen. Like th- these teams are so bunched up that any little thing that happens, a guy has an injury, whatever, like Kawhi's out, as you and I are speaking on Sunday, he's not going to play. Um, that kind of stuff, it it's, it's, makes a lot more untenable if, if you lose a couple of games that you can't when you only have, you know, what is it, 70, 72 games? 72, but I believe it's
1: 72 game schedules. So... You're absolutely right, Robert, and that is why these players have got to buckle down. I mean, it's hard for all of us to follow these guidelines to the letter. I I mean, let's be honest, it's difficult, and and we can sit here and criticize these players all we want, but it's difficult for everybody to do that. You know, I live in Austin, and we are in Stage 5, which is just short of a lockdown. They're, you know, recommending that we stay home and not go anywhere and socially distance and wear a mask, but it is so critical, though— because it's 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 not just, you know, injuries most of the time are preventable. You can't help that. But when it's something that is preventable, like getting yourself in a situation where you're going to have to quarantine because you may have been exposed to COVID because you did something you weren't supposed to do, that can change the dynamics. And it's not just the Rockets that could be affected by this. It could be anybody. So, you know, even in the Eastern Conference, Western Conference, no matter where you're talking about. So that's why it's just crucial that these guys have got to do the best they can And avoid those situations because one game here, one game there, you know, when you're missing because of COVID or something you shouldn't have done, could
0: change the whole dynamics of the playoff uh, structure, especially in the West. Yeah, a bunch of those guys got a haircut. A bunch of the Rockets players got a haircut together, which cost them. And because that happened and because that game was suspended, James Harden, who was doing stupid things earlier in the week, didn't get a half-million-dollar fine for missing the Oklahoma City game which you know looked like that was going to happen he's he did cost him a half a million they're basically uh the nba is basically saying we're, we're going to take away game salaries from you if you do stupid stuff like that you don't follow protocol and you know james harden you know living right just got lucky because the, the the rockets uh got in all sorts of other issue all sorts of other trouble all, other issues with covid and so he 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 escapes
1: yeah, well, he was spotted in Vegas recently, wasn't he? So maybe he's got the, the gambling luck on his side there because, yeah, he sure did escape that. Otherwise, he'd have been one of those same guys fine. And and getting back to the Timberwolves, Robert, you, you are all r- completely right about those young guys, you know, Edwards and, and that bunch. But but you know the real reason that the Timberwolves are getting off to a good start, don't you? It, it has nothing to do with those guys. It's because Rudy T is there. You know, Rudy just got there as a consultant, and everywhere Rudy goes, he starts touching things. Good things start happening. So that's the real reason the Timberwolves are off to a good start. Now that year that he was coaching the Lakers, there wasn't a lot of matter. yeah. There was that. That there was that. But uh, he had some health concerns, though. I think during that point too, that didn't help. Okay, so no Astros, right? We got no Astros. No, no real news on the Astros. Uh, you know, still no movement uh, as far as the big free agents, in- including George Springer. So. Nothing really to talk about of the Astros. I guess the the biggest Christmas gift, you know, that they gave us is that Sprinker's still not officially gone yet. So if you're one of those people that just is hanging on for dear life or some kind of hope, he's still not gone yet. I want to go
0: a little big picture because you hear a lot about these poisonous Astros and Rockets environments these days and what's going on, whether it's Harden or Astros cheating or whatever. But, you know, we got – ex-employees in power positions around the NBA and Major League Baseball. Because when I started looking around, I was like, you know, well, if everybody hates the Astros and Rockets, why, why are you hiring them? Because, okay, uh, NBA, Sacramento Kings, their GM, Monty McNair came from the Rockets. Timberwolves, Gerson Roses, GM, came from the Rockets. Uh, Raphael Stone, and I got to mention him because he was under – Daryl Morey, they could have gone elsewhere if it was so terrible with the Rockets, but they hired Raphael Stone. Then, of course, the Sixers, Daryl Morey, we know is quickly got another job. So, you know, you talk all you want to about oh, James Harden, terrible environment, Rockets don't know what they're doing, um, and and I don't think that was unknown around the league with what was going on with Harden. But still, they got four guys leading up organizations as general managers, and and, and in baseball. Steven, I mean, you've got the Orioles' GM is Mike Elias, the Brewers' GM is David Stearns, the Tigers' manager, A.J. Hinch, Red Sox' manager, Alex Cora. They're everywhere, the Rockets and the Astros' guys.
1: Yeah, and Robert, you're right. And I started thinking about that, actually, after the baseball season was over. And I started thinking about, you know, the coming free agents like George Springer. You know, he was certainly with the club, with the cheating scandal going on. Yeah, he's he's probably the, the best position player out there for free agency, and teams are going to vie for him. I mean, I, I think the reason you haven't seen anything, it really isn't because of George Springer himself. It's because of COVID and just the, the whole landscape. But I started thinking that very thing, Robert. It's like, you know what? These guys who played for the Astros during the cheating scandal, when they they are free agents now, or they will become free agents at some point, and they get taken by another team, Somebody else obviously wants them and they're perfectly okay now. Oh, well, they're on my team. Yeah, they played for that team. They cheated. But, well, they're on my team now, so it's different. I mean, let's be honest. If you're on someone else's side, you're going to throw rocks at them because they're not on your side. And if they do something you don't like, yeah, you're going to scream and yell and you know yell that your World Series has been taken away from you and how you cheated them out of this and that. But I guarantee you, when they become available, whether it's via trade or free agent, and they come to that team, in most cases, they're they're probably exceptions, but in most cases, they're going to be embraced because, oh, they're on my side now. So, yeah, let's dispense with all that negative stuff when you're talking about Astros, Rockets, Texans, whomever, because when they go to your side, you're going to cheer for them as loudly as you booed for them when they were on the other side.
0: And look, even the, the Texans, which... Houstonians consider the most incompetent Houston team. Oh, Texans totally incompetent. Well, they've produced some higher ups. I couldn't come up with any GMs, but the head coaches are Titans coach Mike Vrabel, who was in last year's AFC title game 49ers coach Kyle Shanahan. Yeah. He was just here for a year, but he was in last year's was Super there. Bowl. And the Broncos, uh, Vic Fangio. I don't know if he's going to last that long there, but three guys, our head coaches that came right through Houston were assistants in Houston. So it's not just the Astros and Rockets. I mean, the, 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 these Houston teams have produced people in other organizations and in a way, Stephen, some of those guys you wish maybe were back here doing <laughs> the same thing.
1: Well, and
0: look, it's it's a lot of that is because
1: all three of those teams at one point, Robert, were winning. You know, the, the Texans not so much now and then the Astros, they stumbled through the regular season and yeah, they, they lucked into the playoffs, but once they got there, they, they started winning. And the Rockets, d- despite all the, the criticism that we give James Harden and, and Mike D'Antoni's offense and things like that, the, the Rockets have been a winning team. And so when you win, you're going to be successful. People want other pl- uh, players, executives from the other teams that have been consistently winning. And that's that's what you've been seeing over the last few years
0: with all three Houston teams. One last thing before we go, Stephen. I- I'm sure you've noticed we lost yet another Baseball Hall of Famer Sunday, Phil Necro.
1: Yes, I did. And, of course, you know, his brother Joe uh, was lost, you know, some years ago and pitched for the Astros. And Phil Necro, you know, you talk about pioneers and then these guys that could, could stay in the league. Phil Necro, he figured out the pitch he needed and stayed in the league for a long, long time. And just a class guy, you know, both of those guys, Phil and Joe very close knit brothers and yeah, and I did see Phil Negro just another and a unfortunately a long
0: list of names that we have lost in twenty twenty, whether they be Houston sports figures or nationally yeah, baseball Hall of famers a ton ton of them, and you mentioned Joe Joe is actually younger than Phil, he right. died fourteen years ago, and there's still a lot of good work from the Joe Negro organization with brain aneurysms and tumors and um brain disorders and things like that that still uh, goes forward and I just want to share a quick story about Phil because one of my closest friends from college wrote Phil Negro along with a lot of baseball players about his then high school aged son who was dealing with cancer. Negro was one of the guys who wrote back and and this note just tells you a lot about Phil Negro, the guy this is from two years ago. Phil Negro said quote, "I've heard you're going through a difficult time right now that that makes two of us." So actually stephen he, hmm. he he you know he kind of, kind of gave an inkling, didn't he? Yeah. yeah, and uh Phil said, "You know, try to stay positive at all times and keep that great smile on your face. I know it may be hard to do at times. My wish is that you will be back to where uh, you you need to be not long from now. My very best to you always sincerely phil Negro well, you know I mean I mean, Phil and Joe
1: both, and Phil was obviously the more well known pitcher as far as you know from a national standpoint i mean he's one of those guys that you know he he made headlines for the right reasons you never saw him in trouble with the law you never heard him you know mouthing off or things like that those are the guys that you, you really enjoyed watching play and just you
0: you rooted for him as people just because of who they are and that that says it right there really hope everybody out there had a wonderful christmas we're, we're going to come back to you within the next day or two We've got a year in review, Houston Sports year-end review. We're going to do some fun things with it, so keep an eye out for that. Message us through Twitter, Facebook, email info at HoustonSportsTalk.net. In the meantime, stay healthy and safe, everybody. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Don't forget to follow Houston Sports Talk on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, the Google Podcast app, or the Stitcher app. You can support us by giving us a five-star review on iTunes or by telling your friends about us. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.